Hello, all you wonderful education leaders. I'm Josh Flores. I'm your friendly neighborhood director of secondary English language arts here at the Oklahoma State Department of Education in the Curriculum and Instruction Office. And this is the last episode of the year of the podcast on your plan. And I got a special guest for you, one of my favorite people to follow on the Twitters. His name is Travis Sloat. He's an educator here. We're lucky to have him here in Oklahoma. He's hilarious. We're going to have a great discussion. This is the best way to end the year. We're talking about basically all my favorite, um, well, talking points. We're going to talk about health, especially teacher health. We're going to talk about the standards. We're going to talk about misconceptions about dropouts, uh, social media. He's going to tell us why he's on Twitter and why he stopped using Facebook. And then he's going to share his teaching and learning practices for writing. We're going to talk about the performance art of being a teacher and developing your brand. And of course, stand-up comedy, because that's a really big aspect of teaching. He talks about how laughter is such an essential classroom management tool. And, you know, what we might touch upon something like testing. Why not? So it's really exciting. And I have a featured guest on here too, a co-host, if you will, Rebecca McLaughlin. She is one of my colleagues here at the State Department, the Curriculum Instruction Office. She does the gifted and talented and all the AP fun stuff. So if you've ever been to like one of those APSI, the Advanced Placement at Summer Institutes, that really, really awesome training that they have in the summertime. Uh, you can thank Rebecca for that. She's done a great job to get that up and running and continue that professional development experience for our state. So I hope you enjoy it. Uh, it's one of my favorites. I've been waiting. I've been sitting on it for way too long. We recorded live from Muskogee after I did a PD session there for those area teachers. And I'm going to even share some of the feedback that I got from that session, and we'll discuss that as well. Uh, this makes, let's see, last year when we started the podcast, uh, at the end of the year, put out 25 episodes. This is episode 52. So that puts us at, this year we did a total of, hey, 28. And not bad, yeah? <laughs> we went over last year by three. So that's pretty exciting. I can't wait to continue this and learn from educators all across the state next year. Uh, I gotta schedule something. <laughs> I gotta schedule some because this is all my audio files that I have. This is this gets me finally up to date. I've been behind, but hope you enjoy it. Hope you enjoy your winter break and whatever you're celebrating in particular this winter break. Hope you uh, have a good safe time, to relaxing ELA time. And this will be a relaxing moment for you just to sit back and enjoy the insight of Mr. Travis Sloat. Like, so what was in your smoothie? Uh, that was pretty good. Banana, strawberry, and spinach. That's uh, what made it disgusting, because I'm very hmm. bad at eating my vegetables. Uh-huh. And so... So you thought putting in a smoothie gotta, would yeah, make I've it palatable. I've got to disguise them. Man. <laughs> I miss smoothies. I oh, man. See, I, I don't... I can't do, like, bananas mixed with much, but, like, I love, a like, a good cucumber mixed with, like, some kale. This is delicious to me. <sighs> Kale, spinach, <laughs> cucumber, and then of course just a little bit of ginger. Yeah, mm-hmm. you have to have something to, for the right. kale to yeah. kind of cut that. You, do you know like sharp? I do sometimes. Red kale is very sharp. Strong. Like I can't take the red kale. Yeah. But, like any regular kale, I'm all about that. So. Man. 
I don't do kale. Really. No, I, don't do kale. I do. If I do kale, it's got to stay on the stove for two or three hours, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. in broth of some kind, and just <laughs> soften up, take the bitterness out. Uh-huh. So I guess it's just something I, I grew into. Yeah, but yeah, like definitely stove it, put some olive oil. Good yeah. stuff. Good stuff. So, anyways. <clears throat> Okay, sound levels are good, by the way. So, <laughs> thanks, yeah. thanks for well, being on the it? podcast. Yeah, you had a question? No, I'm just impressed that you have this ready he just at all it times. Around with yeah. Him. yeah oh, that's you amazing. never know; you might have the opportunity to do some deep learning, which is that's what's going to happen today. <laughs> <laughs> so, thanks for listening to the podcast. Got two special guests on here, ladies. First, we introduce yourself and oh. what you do, where you're from, what's your title. Oh my gosh! Well, I'm Rebecca McLaughlin. I'm at the State Department, and I'm uh, Director of Gifted Ed and AP and Arts and Education. Very happy to be here with um, these two gentlemen. Yes. And now, our special guest. My name is Travis Sloat. I'm an English teacher at OK High School in the booming metropolis of OK, Oklahoma. Yeah. Uh, population 500, I think. Uh, I was born and raised there, and uh-huh. now I'm back there teaching and love every day of it. Fantastic. Well, it's funny because on the drive over here, um, Rebecca was like, so how do you know this guy? It's like, well, uh, I, she's one of Laura Searcy's students, and uh, he just started picking on me online, and I, he's actually really funny, so I just started following him. I'm big into the online bullying thing, but I try to keep it to people my own age. <laughs> That's important, right? Yes. Yeah, your own age. <laughs> well, fantastic. So thanks for coming today. Today we're doing a workshop in Muskogee. Uh, it's it's the workshop we do about the standards, and you know there's still some information we're trying to get out there. And you know, I, I the comment was made to me by uh, you know some of the stragglers at the end of the session that they were surprised at uh, how many people still don't know about the standards. And like I do my formative assessment on a scale of one to four, what's your understanding of the standards? And she said she was still surprised at how many ones there are. What, what, what did you put when you were coming into this? Like you had you've been working with them, you've been watching them. I have, and I was shocked. You tweeted something the other day about um, people not realizing there were new standards, that, and I just wondered <laughs> how people could be in the profession and not realize that there were new standards. Um, I've known all along that there were new standards, that there were new standards coming, and that we were not really satisfied with the old standards that we had. Uh, as far as my familiarity with them. I've ranked it at a two just because they're still kind of new. I'm still kind of trying to tie it in with what I do and kind of uh, modify lessons, Uh I guess. But I'm very aware of the standards and um, I love them. I talked with you earlier about that. I think they're great. Now, are you sure you're just not selling yourself short? You seem really competent. (laughs) It's false confidence. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, so how did you get into teaching in the first place? Like, Did you do a previous career? Yeah, I actually... um, I was working at kind of a dead-end job in uh, Tahlequah, Oklahoma. I was a case manager for a program, a government program, actually. Oh, those government jobs. They'll kill you, man. (laughs) I got passed over for um, a promotion because I didn't have a degree. Uh And I asked the person in charge, I said, what kind of degree do I need to have to make this work? And they looked at me and said, it doesn't matter. We just need a degree. Uh And I just couldn't believe that. And I was 20... 26, I think, at the time, and uh, I had tried college twice, 
and once when I was 18, once whenever I was 24, and I'd left both times. And I always tell people, people always say, oh, he dropped out. And I said, no, dropping out implies that you told somebody. I just walked out the door one day and never came back. <laughs> so my GPA was a deplorable negative uh-huh. 2.0, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> and I got back into... Uh, school and had to beg for academic forgiveness, of course, uh, just to try to get my grades back where they should be. And I wrote a blog the other day for the uh, education site that kind of outlined this. Um, I was sitting pretty there with a uh, degree plan for computer science. I wanted to be a coder and just decided one day that it sounded kind of boring to me all of a sudden. Uh, Just sitting at a desk and typing lines of code in just seemed kind of boring. And I thought, well, I've I've always enjoyed writing. Um, At the time, I was writing for a newspaper. I was freelancing for the uh, local newspaper here in Muskogee. And I thought, well, writing would be fun. And then I thought, well, teaching about writing would be fun as well. And then I decided to switch over to uh, English education and kind of ran with it from there. So... Here I am today, I guess, four or five years later. Okay, which point do I want to focus on first? Let me see. I'll go back. Okay, the, the implications the implications of the label dropout. I think you identified some things I think are pretty interesting. So dropout has this negative connotation, and I feel like, for me, when I hear the word dropout, if someone's a dropout, that means they just couldn't hack it. They couldn't cut school. They were failing constantly. And that may not be the case. Maybe people do just walk away from school because school is not providing what they need. And it sounds like that's what essentially happened to you. Like you weren't getting what you needed necessarily out of whatever program you were in. So until you finally found out what it is that you wanted to study. That, and I think it's a maturity level and it's a priority level. School was not a priority for me and Uh I was not mature enough yet for it to be a priority in my life. And I was telling Miss Cersei earlier that, uh, I think everyone should have to sit out three or four years, two or three years, until they hit that maturity level of, okay, it's not just going and partying. Mm -hmm. It's not just going and sitting through lecture classes. It's participating. It's Mm -hmm. uh, going to events. It's, you know, trying to focus in on what you really want to do. And I think that for the first two or three years of a 19 to 20-year-old's life in college is, uh, man... Sorry to say this, more about drinking beer than it is about <laughs> learning anything uh-huh. or, or nailing down what they want to do. Most 20-year-olds I know, college or no college, don't have any idea where they want to go yeah. in life. Well, and that, I think that you, you spoke to that point earlier, too, about, uh, you know, in your previous job, they just they didn't matter what the degree was in. You just needed to have a degree. And that's actually something that was ingrained in me at an early age from my parents. They've seen so many times where their friends could never choose a degree and you you end up maybe this is a strong word to say but you end up wasting time and money because you're degree jumping and then those hours don't cross over and it, it is true like it happened with my dad like it didn't matter what his degree was he needed a degree otherwise he had plateaued he's never going to get promoted period and i that's something i have told my students too is like do you, as long as you get a degree that's going to open doors enough for you. I was lucky because I knew exactly what I wanted, and I wasn't like a lot of my friends in college who, yeah, you know, they had to, they became super duper seniors <laughs> that yeah. senior year because they just could not make up their minds. Yeah. And it was really quick for me, and uh, I like the idea of spending that kind of three to four years to really mature. I feel the same way about marriage and having kids. You need three to four years. <laughs> like, how about you hold off on that? 
yeah. mature level. <laughs> no, I can't speak to that. I got married two years out of high school, and my wife was a year out of high school. Wow, <laughs> so, okay. We've been married now for 13 years. Maybe so. it was a busy two years yes. for you. You yeah, packed a lot was. of life in it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but... And where's your blog? Is it your um, personal blog? Or well, you I have a blog? personal blog that okay. uh, I tell people all the time. It's like a it's like a kid. If you don't feed it from time to time, it just winds up dying on you. Right. And uh, I have not blogged on that in a while. Uh-huh. Uh, but you can find that at thefisherofstories.com. Uh, that's uh, my online handle is tstyle77. Uh, you can find me on just about anything there. Mm-hmm. I recently got rid of Facebook because I found that it was wow. too toxic for me. Uh-huh. Um, I was on my phone one afternoon and my wife looked at me and she said, Travis, you've got to get off of Facebook. And I said, why? And she said, your face is drawn up and your eyes are twitching. And I said, seriously? And she said, yeah. And I said, okay, it's time to go. And I just, uh, that's been about three or four months ago. Is that, is that because you see other people's posts and they're just all the bad grammar? It, uh, yeah. <laughs> bad grammar is, yeah, that's definitely it. Um, yeah, and the toxicity of just the social climate we live in right now and uh-huh. I think that uh, Facebook has the tendency to be just sort of a negative sounding board where everybody wants to throw negative at the wall and okay. nobody wants to offer a solution and so I yeah. that's why I'm on Twitter because it's so much more positive right yeah well I mean and I see that in blogs too like uh, you know especially early on in my days at the State Department we had those bloggers and you know they made good points but you know, there's still some blogs there, people trying to replicate that. And it's like, man, there's just so much anger in it. I'm ready to have the conversation about solutions. Yep. Like, yeah, we've had problems for years and we can keep blogging about it, but I am ready to talk solutions. What yep. are we going to do? And I think we finally have, you know, a lot of people have started actually doing something. You see all the teachers running. For, That's right. For legislative seats. That's awesome. We've got one Finally, in our action. elementary school that is Oh, really? Actually. Give so, them a shout out? Yeah, well, I can if that's allowed. Uh, Darla Milligan, uh, District, I believe, 13 is what we are. So yeah. definitely vote for her if you get the chance. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so great. Uh, I love the idea of the blog. i got to go check out your blog now. And uh, writing. So writing was already important to you coming yes, into it. huge. So what's your favorite writing lesson? How do you teach writing? I, I teach writing by letting kids know that it is not just important to somebody who's going to be writing at a newspaper Uh or it's not just important to somebody who's going to be teaching English. Writing is important to everybody because there's going to come a point in time where your boss asks you to write them an email Mm -hmm. or you're going to want to raise and you've got to write somebody an email for that raise. We communicate with writing. We communicate with text messages. And yes, it's become almost socially acceptable to cut out you know, just about all consonants in text messages. <laughs> not with uh, this guy. Not with me either. Yeah, I can't be your friend. All right. <laughs> but you can't send those types of messages to a boss or a uh-huh. superior or, uh, you know, even a colleague that is like you or I. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, you've got to clean that up a little bit. And that's where writing comes in. It's not just about sitting down and writing a journal entry. In all honesty, how many of our kids are going to grow up and keep a journal and Mm -hmm. and write a journal? And in that instance, how important is good grammar or spelling if they know what they're writing anyway and they're the Mm -hmm. only ones that are going to see it? But what about that text message or that email that they have to send to a boss or Mm -hmm. to a friend or um, that Facebook post that they have to put on somebody's wall who they haven't had contact with in forever, but 
they want to kind of get caught up and it's full of grammar or spelling mistakes and the world sees it and laughs at them, yeah. you know, I, or they're doing what I'm doing and just making an awful face. Like I've just had one of those smoothies for breakfast. <laughs> sure. I so. think, uh, and it's going to be even more intense. I don't know if you saw, I, I retweeted it yesterday, but I guess Facebook is now kind of developing the virtual reality platform yeah. to integrate in their Facebook. And it's like, man, that <laughs> whole idea of correcting other people's grammar is going to become even more personal now. That's if you right. can do it like with your virtual I don't know, self. <laughs> shake your finger at him virtually. Some some type of finger, right? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Shake at him. <laughs> so you're really focused on the practical, everyday definitely. application of writing. So that's great. Because the students that I teach, you know, being from a rural area, um, mm. you know, we have maybe 200 students in our entire high school. Um, I teach 100 of those mm. every day. And they're not going to be... For the most part, they're not going to grow up to be doctors. They're not going to grow up to be, um, to have these sort of fancy jobs making mm-hmm. $150,000, $200,000 a year. They're going to more than likely be involved in a trade. And in no way, shape, or form am I saying that that's what they're limited to. I fully believe they can do whatever they want to do. Um, but the practicality is that they're going to probably be involved in a trade somewhere. And as such, they're going to have to communicate mm-hmm. with writing at some point in time. And so from a practical standpoint, you've got to learn how to spell, you know, that that word the right way. You've got to learn your homophones and know which one is which. Uh, that's just very important. Yeah, those misused, wor- misused mm-hmm. words are super important. I mean, even for ACT aspects, that's going to be on the ACT. Yep. And it's pretty basic. Yeah, come on. Yeah. Let's get that handle down yeah so um but with that like is there a specific aspect of writing that you just every time you teach it you just kill it like you're just the best at teaching adjectives or prepositional phrases oh man (laughs) we went hard on prepositional phrases uh probably three or four weeks ago and i kind of enjoy prepositional phrases and my favorite part of that is definitely the um separation of two and two as in t-o and t-o for Uh the preposition and the infinitive i love teaching all of my classes i teach seventh eighth and ninth and i love teaching them all about infinitives and split infinitives and uh but prepositional phrases are big i want them to be able to identify those i want them to be able to construct those um, deconstruct them. Uh, yeah, I enjoy that, definitely. But as far as just a style of writing, I'm big on creative writing. You just sit down, I'm going to give you a prompt, and let's let's do it together. And whenever I say that, I mean I will pull up the smart board document and I will write a story with them. I, that okay. way they can look at me and my writing process and see, hey, Mr. Slope misspelled that word, but he saw that he misspelled it, went back, fixed it, got it right. Hey, Mr. Slope edits himself whenever he writes not everything he writes just comes out great so um, I'm big on that I want the kids to see that I'm not a perfect writer but I work hard to make my writing perfect do you post your lessons on your blog I don't. No, the okay. blog has, as of late, um, been just more than anything kind of a communication tool for, uh, about my kids and even mm-hmm. to my kids. Um, I write my kids' letters on That's the blog. That's awesome. Um, just something that uh, I lost my dad at a young age, mm-hmm. and he wrote me a letter before he died, and that, that impacted me in such a huge way. And so I want my kids to have more of that. And so that's one of the things that I do. Um, I blogged about our basketball team going to the state championship uh, in March, and those were pretty popular with the OK crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, 
I want people to feel sort of my passions whenever they read my writing. And that's something that I don't get to do whenever I'm writing for, Mm -hmm. say, a newspaper. I was the editor of a newspaper for a year there in Wagner, Oklahoma. And that's a different kind of writing. You know, you don't get to, you don't get to transmit that passion really like you do with personal writing. I, I love that idea about blogging to your kids. You know, I'm, I think my, teaching has moved to like down to my second favorite thing to do. Like being a dad is like definitely my first. It's so much fun. And one of the things that I used to do with Stark at a very early age is we did a book review, video book review. <laughs> and I only have like three episodes actually like published, but I have a, lots of footage and I just love watching that when I'm on the road, especially yeah. as far as some of these long trips, it's like great. I need to record some more actually. <laughs> but uh, one of the other things you discussed about you know, the importance of teaching is you do look at it as a performance. And I feel like you, you always mentioned how, you know, you're still early, you're still learning as a teacher, which I appreciate. But I, I, I also admire that you are at a maturity level that you understand the need to develop your pedagogy or develop yourself as a brand. And so I wouldn't mind if, would you explore or elaborate on that idea of performance? Well, I think you summed it up great right there uh, in developing yourself as a brand. That is so big. And we talk about brands um, in a big way outside of teaching. Um, We talk about even our students developing their brands, but we don't really talk about us as educators developing our brands. We have a brand. They are talking about us in the hallway. They are talking about us over summer break. Other teachers are talking about us. Um, and that's our brand. And what do you want your brand to be? And I, I was sharing with you earlier that I do look at teaching as a performance. I did um, very amateur level stand-up comedy for a couple of years. Oh, wow. And okay. I, I compare it to that. Um, mm-hmm. If I'm not meshing with an audience, then they're not going to laugh at what I'm saying. Uh, It doesn't matter if my material is funny. If the relationship is not there where they know that they can laugh at me um, and laugh with me, then it doesn't matter how funny my material is. Uh, It doesn't matter. And in the same way with teaching, if my relationship with the students is not there, it's not whole, if I'm not clicking with them as a, as a class, then it doesn't matter what my material is, it's not going to click. And I, I call it relational pedagogy is what I like to call it, in that um, my relationship with the student needs to come first. And I've probably got some older teachers maybe right now that are just grinding their teeth while they're listening to me say that. But I really believe that in today's climate, in today's social and um, the home climate that some of these kids are coming from, that relationship has got to be there before they trust you enough to learn from you. Uh Because they might not trust their parents enough to learn from them. You have to kind of earn that respect and that trust. So I think that's really interesting because one of the first podcasts, actually, yeah, literally the first podcast I did uh, with a teacher named Julie was, uh, I kind of put this out there in our Facebook group. I said, did anybody have any positive results about the writing test and wouldn't mind meeting with me to just discuss, you know, how they did it and just let's have a breakdown of it. And I, I had Julie volunteer to do it. She's a teacher in Moore and we went and met and we spoke for two hours and it was all about building a relationship. Like I had to build this relationship. Here's how I did it. And once the kids trusted me, then we could actually do writing that mattered. And like, it's amazing how you have to have the entry point 
to move into that. Uh, but I especially like the, you know, you cued into like uh, the stand-up, which is interesting because I had a friend that also did stand-up in Oklahoma City area, and we always had great conversations about how to build rapport with our audience and like timing and all that uh, plays into building that relationship and getting your message across. And maybe that's, I don't know, I'm putting this out there to any colleges of ed, maybe that's what needs to happen in order to teach more classroom management. We need to go and look at some, maybe some decent stand-ups. Yeah. Steve Martin, Aziz Ansari. I don't just throwing some out there. I always watch, uh, my favorite right now is Tom Segura. He's great, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's this very story-style structure, yeah. very monotone, low-quiet, yeah. and then every once in a while it's very loud. And I, I don't know. To me, that's interesting to study it that way. It's like, is that how you approach it, too? It is. Um, I'm a huge Louis C.K. fan. Nice. Um, always, and one of the things I like about him is something that can be related to teaching is that he comes up with new material every single year. Every single yeah, year fresh he's hour, a new every special every single year. Uh-huh. And that's kind of how I approach every year of teaching is, yes, I might be teaching the, mo- the most dangerous game every single year because I love that and I, I thought it was funny that you gave that as an example because starting <laughs> yeah. next week we're starting that with my ninth grade class. Oh, um, fantastic. And so I will definitely be using some of the stuff that you gave us cool. to do that. Um, well, but, the slides are all there and the, it's paid for. The images are paid for. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, but it's not necessarily about teaching in the same way every year. Yeah, you can teach the same content, but you've got to make the approach fresh because they change. The kids mm-hmm. change, and their tastes change, and um, what they're into changes. Yeah. One of my favorite things to do is to misuse words that I know how to use, like slang. Like slang. Like they're <laughs> going. Like on fleek. I gave the kids the biggest grief about on fleek. I would use it wrong on purpose. <laughs> I, I bet I did that all of last year, um, just to get. A laugh, and a lot of times when you get that laugh, you talk about classroom management. That brings them back around um, mm-hmm. in terms of listening to you again, because they they want to hear the next funny thing that you say, uh, sure, or they want to just hear the next thing that comes out of your mouth, because they don't know what it's going to be. It might be something that's educational. It might be something that you know makes them spit their pop out of their mouth. So, um, so Rebecca, is that a AP term on fleek? Uh, uh, yes, it on is. Fleek? Yes. <laughs> well, can you describe yeah. that? I, I, I do not have the definition in front of me. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> It, was, it means really bad. Yeah. I think really bad. I it is? Okay. <laughs> no, it means good. I, I, I always hear it in reference to eyebrows. Your eyebrows are on fleek. So I, I think it means you groom them very well. I'm not sure. All right. I think I've, I've definitely got to turn in my cool card because well, I don't, I don't think I can use that. search Twitter for some of these terms, you find out what they mean really quickly. No, That's I, I'm scared to see what will come up. I don't want that on my I don't know that I, I want, want you to publish history. that because then the kids will know my secret. <laughs> I'm sure they don't listen to my podcast. Um, well, you know, speaking about all this, so you got to see my performance out there. I wouldn't mind like some of your observations that you might have seen that maybe you can help me with. Because, you know, I was looking over my feedback here. Like, can I, will you indulge me? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Right so, uh, like one that kills me, like I got a stack of cards here and it's, it's all really positive. It's really good stuff. But you know, there's always that one that really gets to you. And so I had one in here that really killed me because it said, uh, let me find it. Flip through. This is really bad audio. (laughs) Just watch me flipping through cards. Oh, okay. So I did the, uh, I did a, my three, two, one assessment that I, or exit ticket I usually do three things you learned, two needs or questions you have, and one just general comment. And 
the three things the person learned was I learned where to find information about the standards. I learned about the item specs and that reading is input, writing is output. And needs was to learn to balance reading in my class, but not too much. Okay. And, uh, but the comment was, I'm more confused than before. It's like, oh, no. What did I say? That kills me. Well, what sucks is that you had to pick my card out of there. (laughs) (laughs) I wish that was your card. I want you to elaborate on that. Like, I definitely do not want to cause confusion. Like, that's like the worst possible thing. Man, here's the thing. And again, I don't want to be offensive. um, And that's a struggle for me. And I'm just sitting here thinking about my my principal and my superintendent. And by the way, my superintendent is my old high school basketball coach. Oh, so wow. So I'm still convinced Not that at any moment um, he could just tell me, Travis, get on the line and start running get sprints. And I would Do find, a, find a line and start running sprints. So <laughs> I'm continually having that in my brain. Um, I, I think that at a certain point, um, either in a teaching career or at a certain age, um, some people tend to turn off the part of their brain that is open to new learning and new experiences. And some people come from the background where what you did today isn't what speakers in the past would have done. They would have stood in one place, they would have lectured you for an hour and a half, and then we would have had pizza from a crappy pizza place, (laughs) and we would have gone home. Um, That's just kind of how it it used to be. And you obviously, um, I'm going to do some butt kissing here, so if you want to, you know, just edit this part out, I'm going to turn the volume up. Just enjoy. Um, You obviously have a lot of energy. Um, You have a lot of passion for for what you are doing. It's it's evident in the way that you move around the room. Um, you are good at what you do, I think, um, in, in communicating. So I think that the problem with the person who wrote that card is probably mostly on their end and not mm-hmm. on something that you're doing. Um, I'm not confused. I wasn't confused. The tables that I was sitting at were not confused. Uh, there was not one single person that... Now, we did talk about some negative aspects in terms of the thing that we brought up about reading, monopolizing a lot of class time and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but there was no confusion. At no, no point in time did anyone ever say, oh, well, this confuses me. So I got to write that down because I think that's also a good point to discuss. Well... I mean, I appreciate that, but I mean, to be honest, like I felt like this was not one of my best performances because I felt the energy was low. We, I had to get up at 4.30, Rebecca had to get up at 4.30, we all had to meet and go. I had, I did not have my good coffee that I usually have. <laughs> I had to have just kind of like low-key coffee and I only had one cup and then we were just <laughs> scrambling when we got here because we were, were unaware that we would all be at such separate places. And so I had to get up really quick and then like get in that frame of mind. And so it was, it was tough to get the ball rolling. So I felt like, man, I wonder if my low energy caused confusion. And so that, that bums me out when I get feedback like that because it is so vague. I want like specific feedback to help me improve. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, church votes, but there's always one person in a church vote that's just going to vote no just because they can. Um, And I feel like what you have there is a church vote, so don't take it too hard. You just got a no church vote. Well, you know how it is. You take it. You do take it too hard sometimes. Absolutely. But there's some good. Like this, the next card on here was this session made me feel more comfortable. So okay, that's good to know. And I really appreciated this one that said that after the explanation of the rope. 
things seem to make more sense. Oh man, the rope. I'd never seen that before. That was incredible. I, yeah, really? I had never seen the rope before. And I don't know if that's something I should have seen or maybe, you know, one <coughs> uh, class at NSU taught me that and I had my head in my phone or, you know, God forbid my computer. Um, but I'd never seen it and it did. It cleared up so much and I'm going to be Googling that image whenever I get right. back or looking for it somewhere. And I'm not only am I going to study it, I may let my students look at it to say, listen, this is what you need. They see how this all ties together. This is what you need. So, Well, shout out to Michelle Sprague because she helped me uh, utilize that. And shout out to Dr. Mary Dahlgren uh, for helping me align it to our standards because, I don't know, I guess I need to move that to the front of my presentation. It, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, so yep. good. Good to know. Uh, uh, this one's great. I need solid everyday ideas for classroom and how to clarify the standards to our administration. They are big on data and common assessments, but don't see how classes and students are different. So that's a really important one. And we had that brief discussion, and I think that needs to maybe be a bigger discussion in future presentations because it's we can't be successful unless our administrators also understand what, what's at stake here and how our classrooms should operate. Yeah. I see too, much, too many times, and we have this discussion a lot, how... ELA is looked as something that can be paced out very similar to mathematics. And that is just not the case. Good luck. Like, yeah. I don't know how you could do that. And I've seen some really scary pacing guides from these big name companies that say, you will teach this objective for four days. Like, oh man, you'd be bored teaching yeah. one objective for four days. And it goes against that whole bundling aspect or recursive nature of teaching. So that's, that's a really scary one. And this is why people grow up and say, I hate English. Oh, I hated English. I hated English. It, it sucked. Yeah, this is why. Because that has been taught that way in the past. You learn one thing, then another thing, then another thing. And if you don't have the first thing down, you're lost. And honestly, that's the reason why I hated math class. And I think that maybe the same could be said for math. Maybe math needs to have just enough free time to play and apply with concepts as English language arts does, but I'm awful at math as well. I it's 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 real bad. I can add and multiply, but whenever it comes to subtra subtraction and division, I got a sixth grade girl at home. I just give that to her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm getting, her I'm yeah, getting a calculator. I'm getting a calculator, which would be also a problem if you're coding. I think. Yes, definitely. <laughs> the I, they they said something about Boolean algebra, and I said, uh -huh. "Well, that's it for me. I did have yeah. algebra in the title. I'm gone." Yeah, I, it's like, yeah, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Try something else. Uh, but you did talk to point uh, another aspect that I think maybe deserves an extended conversation is how reading can monopolize time. And that's like such a double-edged sword because on one instance, it kind of needs to. But uh, uh, I think the way we were talking about it is that, and I, I threw out my, uh, and during the presentation, I threw out my, my two cents or my theory that, you know, because of the intense burden that RSA has put on third grade teachers, the worry about meeting that Reading Sufficiency Act, that it has eliminated writing to be taught, and so that has created a lot of gaps that have been really problematic for secondary teachers across the state. And I don't, I'm not even sure how to, how to address that without saying, well, just, just completely ignore RSA. Just teach the way you know that it should be taught, and whatever your RSA results are, that's that's just how it is. Yeah, 
Because I'm looking at like what's the long term goal for our students versus what's that one year goal. Yeah. And I want. I wish we could all be on that long term goal there, but I don't. I don't know that. I think that the, the over testing is just still too ingrained in our system to get there. It definitely seems like that's the case. And everything I've seen on Twitter, I, I'll see people reply to your tweets and quote your tweets and talk about testing, and I just some of it cracks me up. Um, I expect there to be testing. I, there will be <laughs> testing. There's uh-huh. never not going to be testing. If we do completely away with the state test and do ACT, there's still going to be, be testing. testing. Yeah. Um, I, what do you want? I just no benchmark assessment for the kids. Mm-hmm. Hey, do you know this? Oh, totally. Oh, great. Okay, cool. Just here's your diploma. Keep Go going. Right ahead. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> well, they kind of have to. We kind of have to realize or, or know that they know the material. Um, but yeah, and as the husband of a third grade teacher, I can tell you that there is a lot of pressure on them with the oh, yeah. RSA. Um, she, my wife, works extremely hard to balance everything in her classroom where they do well on that and yet still have a mastery of other subjects and I will watch her work six hours after coming home from work and at the school she works and just I'm blown away by her dedication Mm -hmm. to to that and the, but at the same time, there's a part of me that thinks, hey, maybe we should pump the brakes on some of that and let, let our third grade teachers have a you know night to talk with their husbands. Yeah. Or even <laughs> so. like uh, let them teach some science and math from time to time. Yes. Not just, or some, yeah. you know, social studies. That's important. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not just reading sufficiency act benchmarks. Yeah. You know, that's that's troubling. That's troubling. Any any words of wisdom, Rebecca, on that? No, no. <laughs> but I had I have a question. We talked about this a little earlier about maintaining um, your, your um, enthusiasm, your health, because we know that teachers work for free many, many hours um, into the night, over the weekends. Um, and how do you do that and stay fresh? Because I'm listening to you talk about, you know, you're, you're so enthusiastic about your subject matter and your kids. And how do you maintain that from year to year? Man, well, this is just my second year. <laughs> so that probably has so from to one year to two. So yeah. I was going to say, ask me in 10 years. Okay. But uh, I... I truly believe I am where I am supposed to be. And I don't think that anything else matters as much as that. Um, Because if you are where you're supposed to be, that energy is going to... I don't have to get up in the morning and go to work. I don't have to. I get to. I get to get up in the morning and go stand in front of stinky, smelly 7th, 8th, and ninth graders and teach them about what a gerund is, which I might have just refreshed myself on the day before. Uh, It's it's an amazing experience for me. Um, And... Yeah, there are periods where where I got burned out last year, and I was talking with you all on the walk over here um, about the first two or three weeks of this school year. I was going to some of the other teachers in our school and just saying, I am not on. I'm not... Everything I do is just bouncing off the walls. There's nothing, nothing's clicking. I, the behavior's there. I mean, they're, they're, they seem to be receptive, but whatever, there's not communication. And... Um, I had several of them just say, give it, give it another week, give it another two weeks, just keep working, it'll, it'll happen. And sure enough, it clicked. Finally, a week or two later, something clicked, and now my relationship with all of my classes is great. Uh, but there are periods like that. And really, at that point in time, it's time to just shake something up. You've got you to do something crazy. I, you know, I, and I, there's no telling what that might be, um, but 
you've just got to do something different to get out of the funk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whether it's in your personal life, whether it's in your classroom, you've got to do something. Yeah. Do you think part of that that maturity that I hear you express is is the fact that you did look at different majors and different occupations um, and took your time in deciding this is this is where I'm meant to be? That and it's a hard lesson learned from sitting at a desk at a dead end job and hearing someone say you need a degree and asking them and what and them saying oh it doesn't matter just whatever Mm -hmm. and realizing that it would take four years to get that degree and maybe this isn't the job that you want to spend the next four years in and ironically enough it made the almost the exact same amount of money that I make now (laughs) but it was a get up in the morning and have to go to work god I've got to get up and go to Tahlequah this morning I don't want to go to Tahlequah this morning um and that's just completely changed. And so, yeah, there, I think that part of that is some of that maturity that just kind of growing up and life will just kick you if you are not prepared. You know, mm-hmm. life will, somebody will tell you, hey, you need a degree. Or somebody will tell yeah. you, hey, your trade skill level is not high enough. You need to go back to a trade school and develop mm-hmm. this skill further. Um, because it's not just about degrees. I, You know, ICTC over here has great trade programs that we've got kids in right now at my school uh, that are going to come out probably making just about as much, if not more than me, you know, because they're working in heating and air or something where there's a high demand, uh, which is great. That's a lifelong career. Mm -hmm. Electrician, you know, that's, man. It's a really versatile skill set, too. It is. And you put me anywhere around, I'm nervous right now with all of the wires you have on that. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, you know, just one of those things where, yeah, there's some maturity there and there's some life Mm -hmm. kicking me in the teeth and realizing, hey, Travis, you're not, 18 anymore the world is not going to treat you like you're 18 i think it's great you share that with your students too definitely yeah Yeah. they can learn from that's a good point yeah but yeah i like the idea of bringing it back to health because you've you know i've also followed your your health kick that you've been on lately you've done really great on that and i I worry about you know because i have had talks with teachers who are like they they do have the physical symptoms of of overworking themselves and taking the work home with them and worrying about the students and they will tell me about it it's like man you need to get out and seriously go for walks every day just to kind of not burn yourself out and so this is your second year i want oklahoma to keep you (laughs) <laughs> I want to do what we can to keep teachers like you happy in our state and so we don't lose you. And so hopefully there'll be you know, second years. Hopefully there'll be a 22nd year for you. I will tell you this right now, and I, I put this in the blog that I wrote uh, the other day for, um, I think it was Blue Serial Education is the name of the yeah, blog. Yeah. Um, I, I wrote, the, the, this is the blog that's on there. I said this and I say it all the time. I will die at OK School or I will tire at OK Public Schools. There's there's not an in-between. I will be here for life. Wow. So I love Powerful that town. statement. I love the people. Mm-hmm. Um that town made me who I am today, uh-huh. and I am incredibly proud to be there, and I'm incredibly pr- proud to work for the people that I work for. Yeah. So, and good yeah. superintendent. We said superintendent, or was my superintendent it? used to be my high school basketball yeah. coach. Um, my principal is a was a teacher in Wagner, um, uh-huh. and he is amazing. I, I just I can't I, guys. If you're listening, just turn this down. I, I don't <laughs> think you should hear this now. Um, but they're just the support level. I, I hear people talk about administration that just doesn't give them the support that they need. Yeah, it's scary. And it is scary. And I think about where I am, and my administrators just support me wholeheartedly. And even when there's 
critique that needs to be done. I got in a little bit of trouble last year um, for using a word I shouldn't have used in the classroom. Um, imagine that. Um, and my principal brought me in and he said, listen, here's what you did. He asked me if I did it first. And I admitted that I did it. And uh, he said, here's what you did. Here's what's going to happen. Here's why we don't need to do it. Let's just move forward from here. Whereas with some administrators, you'd have been in that office two and a half hours listening to a lecture about how, you know, horrible you are. Um, I didn't get that. I got edification and encouragement. So it's funny how much we have in common then, because I would joke around with my friends. It was, it was one of those like (laughs) joking, not really joking, but like I, yeah, like I said, the hardest part about teaching, you know, when I'd meet up with my buddies that aren't in the profession, I said, the hardest part is because you know, they talk about, like, I hear about this about teaching, and it's all this negative, just horrible stuff. I said, actually, the hardest part is I've had to really watch my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you're hanging out with college guys yeah. and, like, you know, locker yeah. room talk, you got to watch yourself and not yeah. let <laughs> anything slip. Yes, especially when I was a a young, immature teacher. (laughs) That's exactly right. I drive a bus as well, and Uh um, I forget that my bus riders are (laughs) four-year-old to seniors, um, and I was chewing my bus riders out the other day because they were thought that they could move around while the bus was in motion, so I stopped the Mm. bus and stood up and addressed them in a kind but firm voice, as I told my administrators, Uh, and I said the word, but... I just said, you will sit on your butts. And I thought immediately, I thought, wow, there's, there's four-year-olds here. Now, I say the word butt around my four-year-old, oh, but yeah, maybe not everyone wants that. Yeah. <laughs> and then I thought, okay, well, I need to eliminate that. So I started saying bottom immediately after. And I thought, what has this job done to me? <laughs> I'm a yeah. shell of a man. That's you know? funny, too. Like, on the way, on the drive here today, we were talking in the morning mm-hmm. with, in our little uh, SUV uh, driving here with our crew, Sharon and Timmy and Rebecca and I, and we were talking about, yeah, elementary. I was telling them about the time when I was working with elementary teachers, and I just said, you use the cuss and discuss strategy, and some of them were really offended. And I was yeah. like, cuss and discuss, circle, underline, star, and then you discuss it out. That's all it is. It's just... Yeah. And they're like, that's not going to fly. We don't advocate cursing. Yeah. It's, like, it's, yeah. it's, it's circle right. underline star. Yeah. It's an acronym. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Do you have any clean jokes from your stand-up career? That you- oh, Lord. No. I, I wouldn't be able to remember them off the top of my head now. I tell people I'm more of a situational comic. Okay. That's, I, in the moment, that's where I make people laugh. I, if I have to sit down and come up with material, it's a it's a process. <laughs> so I'm, I'm my worst critic, that's for sure. I did, uh, I remember because, you know, I have thought this for a while that we could, there's a lot we could learn from stand-up comedians yep. and just as far as like establishing a presence and relationships and so I remember even um, reaching out to on Twitter I, I got feedback from Mark Marin. Um, I don't think I heard from Louis C.K. Uh, Doug Stanhope and Tom Segura I forget who else but I just asked him how do you deal with hecklers and then that and then I would expand on their advice about how that absolutely that same advice matches how you can deal with hecklers in the classroom yep. too, because I think there's definitely a lot of similarities. They had really good advice too. I need to pull up those 
they're, they're part of my like writing notebook that I never published, but I have those, those ideas down. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. You We've know? all got that. Exactly. I, mine, mine exists in here. <laughs> Any comedians that you would recommend? Uh, man, again, I'm big on Louis C.K. Um, I enjoy uh, Aziz Ansari. Uh-huh. He's great. Um, and then, man, I, was it the other day? There was one, and I'll have to tweet it to you later. I'm trying like crazy to remember now, and I can't, but I watched one of his specials, and I couldn't stop laughing. Um, he oh, joked about shooting a gun um, and about how that wasn't normal where he was from, but how it was just normal wherever this was, wherever he oh. was at. Um, Bill Burr. Bill Burr. That's it. Yes, yeah, his the, latest stand-up special yes. is amazing. Yeah, the, the black one and white. Black and white. Yeah, it's amazing. Amazing. I love Definitely. it. Yeah, yeah, Bill Burr is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I, I just recently got into John Mulaney. Good stuff. Okay. I'll have but, to, is he on Netflix? Yes. Okay. I think I like him just because he talks about growing up Catholic, and since I did too, we have yeah. a lot that we can connect with. Like, ah, oh, yeah, that was bad. Ha <laughs> <laughs> You yeah. know, some funny stuff like that. See, I have to wait till the kids go to bed, as I'm sure you <laughs> yeah, do as well. Yeah, it's so something that I do. Yeah. It's just me. <laughs> me and the wife, really. That's, yeah. that's, we'll watch it, and she's really not that interested. She, she, yeah, my wife isn't either. Um, it's only know, me. Yeah. That's good. So, well, now I have someone I can like go back. That's and right. With oh, there. yeah. <laughs> so last question, because we're running up on the end of our planning period here. Uh, what's an aspect of education not discussed nearly enough, but needs to be disrupted? A Rebecca? very thoughtful question. It is. <laughs> Rebecca, you want to throw in your answer, too? Uh, I'm thinking. Okay. <laughs> I mean, we've, we've talked about testing. I, th- I feel like that's talked you know, about a lot. Yeah, there could I've be got, maybe more specific aspects of testing that you might delve into. But. I think I've got something there, and yeah. that would be that um, large class sizes does not necessarily equal uh, uncontrollable or an unteachable circumstance. Um, I, and you can relate that back to uh, the stand-up comics. Um, you you watch these stand-up comics, and they'll have a room of three thousand, five thousand, ten thousand people. And they get all 10,000 people to shut up, and not only to shut up, but to listen, and not only to listen, but those 10,000 people, out of those 10,000 people, 8,900 of them are going to leave and go tell a joke they heard to a friend, and they're going to be able to recite it almost word for word. So, and they're doing that without visual aids. They're doing that standing up, speaking into a mic for all intents and purposes, lecturing you. A large class size is not an unteachable class. And I think that we're in an environment now, man, and I don't want to say teachers complain too much, (laughs) but I think that on the class size thing, sometimes teachers complain too much. Now, that said, 35 seniors is different than 35 eighth graders. Um, I feel like I, I am a big guy. I'm a I'm one. I'm a I'm a man. Two. I'm a big man. Three. I have a deep voice, and I can control the room just by lowering that voice and bringing my teaching voice up. Uh, that helps me with eighth grade. But in a room full of seniors, rowdy seniors, it may require a different tactic. But guess what? That's on me as a professional educator to come up with that tactic, and that's part of the challenge of this job that I love. Okay, yelling at them didn't work. What's going to work? All right, telling a joke is going to work. Okay, getting really quiet so they have to listen really well. That's going to work, okay? There's different strategies, and if you can't find one, Google it. 
I, there are people that have a ton of different strategies. Watch those stand-up comedians. Watch mm-hmm. any public speaker that is successful. Uh, motivational speakers. You should be... Yes, there's educational reading that you need to do and you know journals and all of that stuff, but these are things that you need to be looking at as well. Um, how to present yourself in front of a crowd. Because, I, listen, I don't see the class sizes getting smaller anytime soon. I have 34 ninth graders in my fifth hour after lunch class, and they are excited, to say the least, um, and sometimes corralling them is a challenge. But I do because... What are my other options? What what else am I going to do? I, it, it is my job, and I'm going to show up to my job, and I'm going to do my job, and I'm going to do it with a smile on my face. Sometimes, sometimes I'm going to yell and have a frown on my face. But <laughs> wow, okay, so that's that's a great answer. Now, I love the idea. Like, of course, professionally, I definitely agree with you. Like, there's some things that are requested that I feel like, you know. As a professional with some expertise and years of training and experience, that's really on us as teachers to make those those decisions and have some autonomy. It's unfortunate that sometimes, like we talked about, the leadership isn't always there to support that. But I do feel that all teachers have the expertise and knowledge to make those professional decisions, adjustments, and take risks and experiment. Uh, I was definitely one of the teachers that complained about class sizes, though. But man, I love your perspective that maybe at least this is my interpretation of what you're saying. It's like maybe we really need to not only mix it up and try new things with our approach, but I think that also requires us to change the frame of mind of what a productive classroom looks like because it's going to look way different with 10 kids than with 40. Absolutely. So I love that. That is a brilliant perspective. Thank you for that. Like. I think I, I don't think we can go much further I from know, there. I, I, think, I think we just dropped the mic there. Thanks for dropping your knowledge. Any any other knowledge you want to drop? I, man, I, I can't thank you enough for having me on. This has been fun. This has been fun. Thank I you so I much. I hope I haven't embarrassed my uh, administration. <laughs> nah, they should be proud of you. We want to keep you in Oklahoma. Thanks for just joining with us and seeing how it goes, Rebecca. Yeah, yeah, this has been wonderful. I've learned a lot. <laughs> I know I always learn a lot, and so... Uh, well, will you give your Twitter handle again? Just Absolutely. It's T-Style77, T-S-T-Y-L-E-S-7-7. And the blog is thefisherofstories.com. And that's really it. I, you can find me at one of those two anywhere. And I highly recommend Follow Friday. <laughs> or him, yeah. So uh, thanks for being on. And uh, let's, let's go home and enjoy the weekend. Hey, sounds good. <laughs> so thank you for listening. And until next time, take care of yourself, take care of your students, and take care of each other.